So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day, These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions of their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spirit forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom and their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Lots of people struggle with change. Lots of people struggle to adapt to new circumstances Uh, Many of the people sitting here this morning will remember when the metric system was introduced in this country. I was in year five in primary school when it changed over. So the early part, the first five years of my education was all to do with feet and inches. So sadly, I still think in feet and inches. When someone tells me the metric measurement, I've got to convert that in my head to the feet and inches measurement. Uh, decimal currency, uh, that wasn't too much of an issue for me. Uh, decimal currency came in when I was four years old and four-year-olds don't tend to have a whole lot of money so it really didn't impact me greatly. But a lot of people older than me really struggled to make the change. 
uh, John Chapman, who worked with the Anglican Church here in Sydney, he said that his mother really struggled with it, but she came up with a great idea that could have been implemented. She said, why don't they just wait for all of the old people to die and then bring it in? Which was an interesting thought. Now, I mention all of that because the biggest struggle that the early church had to face was one of change. Moving from the old covenant to the new covenant that Jesus came to bring in. God's people, Israel, had lived under the old covenant. They'd lived under it for thousands of years. They'd lived under it since the time of Abraham. It was a covenant that was defined by rules and rituals and laws, and it was a covenant that was coming to an end when Jesus arrived. Jesus brings in the new covenant, and he is the once and for all sacrifice. And rather than rules and laws, God gives his people his Holy Spirit. And it's a covenant that Jesus brings in that's defined by the lordship of Jesus. Anyone willing to trust Jesus is welcome in under this covenant. Now, in the opening chapters of the New Testament, uh, we see that people were longing for that new covenant to come. And they knew that it would come, but I don't think they realised the changes that it would bring, just how difficult it would be for those who've lived under the old covenant. Jesus' coming meant that the old covenant, the old Jewish way of doing things, was now superseded. It had come to an end. The changes weren't just like introducing the metric system or or a different currency. We're talking about a change in how you live in relationship with God. This is serious stuff that the early church had to face. And just about every letter in the New Testament deals with this issue. Some, almost completely, the letter is devoted. Books like Romans and Galatians. But last week we saw that there were some false teachers who'd come into this predominantly Gentile church in Colossae and they were unsettling the new Christians there. Now, we don't know exactly what they were telling them, but it seems from what we see in this passage that there was some Old Testament law involved that they were insisting that the Colossians also start obeying. They were saying that if they really wanted to be serious about a relationship with God, believing in Jesus was great, but you also need to add on a few other Jewish customs and practices. But Paul wants to say, there's nothing that you need to add to Jesus. Jesus has done it all, and you just need to trust him. Now, the whole point of what Paul wants to say in this passage is summed up right at the beginning. We've already heard the verse, the the kids had it in their kids' talk. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Now, We might be tempted to gloss over this because it's so simple and so basic to us. But this is the important thing that Paul wants to say at the beginning of this section. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. How do you start the Christian life? Well, it starts by accepting Jesus as Lord. Lock it in, Eddie. That's an easy one. We know that answer. How do you continue in the Christian life? Well, Paul says that you continue in the Christian life by continuing to trust Jesus, by living with Jesus as Lord. 
And that's exactly what Paul wants to say to the Colossians. You continue in the Christian life exactly the same way you started in the Christian life, by knowing that Jesus is your Lord and by living with Jesus as Lord. Now, Paul's already stressed this so far in the letter. Uh, He's told them that salvation comes completely because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you have done. I mean, have a look at a few verses with me here. Go back to chapter 1, verse number 13. It says this, for he, that is God, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And stay in chapter 1 and jump down to verse number 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he, that is God, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. We become God's people by trusting Jesus. We've been forgiven by Jesus through Jesus. We've been reconciled to God through Jesus. We have peace with God only because of Jesus. But the false teachers have come into the church in Colossae and they're saying, hey, that's really great that you've come to faith in Jesus. But you do realise there's a few more things you need to do, don't you? I mean, to make your faith complete. Well, Paul wants to say there's nothing that you have to do to make your faith complete. When it comes to salvation, Jesus is the answer, full stop. And when it comes to how you live your Christian life, Jesus is still the answer, full stop. You don't need to look elsewhere to figure out how to live the Christian life. You just need to look to Jesus. Look at what he says, chapter 2, verse number 9. For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. God's fullness is found in Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have that fullness. You're not lacking anything. You don't need to add anything. And you don't need to look to any other authority. Now, go back up to verse 6 of chapter 2. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You received Jesus as Lord Your life is bound to him, you are built up in him, you are strengthened in him, and you are overflowing with thankfulness because of him. Now, as I said, the false teachers who are coming into the church in Colossae seem to have some kind of Jewish old covenant ideas in there. If you jump down to verse 16, you'll see there's a little bit of a list that Paul gives there about what you can eat and what you can drink, religious festivals, new moon celebrations and Sabbath days. They all sound like regulations that have come from the pages of the Old Testament. One of the defining marks of of the Old Covenant was circumcision. 
That was the mark that God gave to them right at the very beginning with Abraham. And from that time on, the people of Israel had been practising circumcision. And it seems that the false teachers may have been coming in and suggesting that the Colossians may need to be circumcised as well. Because look at what Paul says in verse 13. He says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Now, do you see what he's saying there? God made the Colossians alive in Christ without any circumcision needing to be done. Even in the uncircumcision of their flesh, they were made alive in Christ. See, those who are advocating the old covenant rules have clearly misunderstood something. And Paul explains what it is in verse number 17. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. All those things that made up the old covenant, the food laws, the Sabbath days, circumcision, all of those things were a shadow pointing forward to what God would do in Jesus. They were symbols of the reality that would come in Jesus. The Colossians don't need to be circumcised. They have what circumcision was pointing forward to. They have Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 11, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. To a largely Gentile congregation, Paul wants to stress, you don't need to become Jewish to have faith in Jesus. But it's not just circumcision that these false teachers are advocating. There are a few other old covenant laws in there that they're talking about. And now Paul knows a thing or two about Judaism. He he is Jewish. He grew up under that old covenant. But he also knows that becoming part of God's people is now only by faith in Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to watch carefully here. Go to chapter 2, verse 13, and watch the way that Paul uses personal pronouns. Uh, It might seem like a a, a trivial thing, but I think Paul's wanting to make a significant statement. Have a look at verse 13. He says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. I think what Paul's saying here is, when you Gentiles were dead, when you Gentiles were cut off from God, when you were not God's people... God made you alive through faith in Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. When he's talking about the us there, I think he's talking about Jewish Christians. They were the ones who had the law. That law had been given to them. That was what the old covenant was. But now that old covenant has come to an end. In effect, he's saying it's been nailed to the cross in Jesus. And the old covenant was never given to the Gentiles. 
And Paul says even if it was given to the Gentiles, it's now come to an end. It's been cancelled. The charge of legal indebtedness in the, in the old covenant has now come to an end. So all that stuff like food laws, religious festivals, Sabbath days, they all belong to the old covenant. They were part of that legal indebtedness that was nailed to the cross. So then Paul says this in verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. We're back to you now. And I think Paul's point is you Colossians as Gentiles were reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. You don't need to obey those old covenant regulations. And don't let anyone tell you that you do. You are already in a relationship with God through Jesus. Now, the situation for us today is obviously going to be very different to the situation that the Colossians faced. I mean, it's unlikely that we're going to have Jewish people coming in here suggesting that we need to uh, reinstate some things from the old covenant. But there are people around who do want to give you a list of things that you must do if you want to be a Christian. And some of them start to look like things that we hear from the old covenant. And look at what Paul says about these legalists who might come into churches. Verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And then he takes it a little further in verse 23. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Very often the legalists that hang around in churches today kind of sound a bit like that. The false humility are puffed up by their own rules Rules that they abide by and that they insist everyone else abide by as well. Rules that make them look more spiritual, more committed, more mature. And often those rules, as I said, aren't too different from what we see in this passage. They can often be rules about Sabbath days or what you eat or what you drink or even what you wear. I remember a rather puffed up individual when we lived up on the north coast, uh, he told me to my face that he was not interested in a single word that I had to say and that I couldn't even call myself a Christian because I thought it was okay to drink alcohol. I was told by another minister, even within our own denomination, that uh, if I didn't hold to a strict view of the Sabbath, that I should think about finding another denomination to be a part of. Maybe you've come across this kind of thing as well. People who want to judge you by their rules, by their standards. So let me take you right back to the beginning of the passage, that verse that we saw before. Chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. How do you start the Christian life? By accepting Jesus as Lord. 
And how do you continue in the Christian life? By continuing to live with Jesus as Lord. So here's the take-home message. We should be very wary of those who have those kind of rules that we need to obey. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a free-for-all and you can live however you like. That's not it at all. And that's not what Paul's saying to the Colossians either. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. The Christian life is about continuing to live with Jesus as Lord. And we should regularly be asking, how does Jesus want me to live? How should I handle this circumstance? How should I handle this situation? How should I think and act? How would Jesus want me to handle these things? It's not a, it's a matter of allowing him to be Lord of your life all the time, every minute of every day. And I need to make it my goal that more and more each day, I will ensure that Jesus is Lord in everything that I do, in every area of life, in the way that I drive my car, in my TV viewing habits, in the way that I handle my money, in how I handle sex and relationships, the way that I treat my neighbours, in everything that I do, in every area of my life, I want it to be brought under the Lordship of Jesus. If I'm living under the Lordship of Jesus, then I need to keep listening to what Jesus says, keep looking at who Jesus is, what Jesus taught, how he lived, the attitudes and the values that he had, because I want them to be mine. I want to live with him as Lord. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness.